Now tuned into the greatest. Welcome to the Dealer Deep Dive Podcast, powered by Coverage Corp Dealer Solutions. I'm not telling you to listen to anyone, but this is a very fresh approach. Our mission is to motivate, educate, inspire, and give you the tools you need to succeed in the automotive industry. I love what I do. When you love what you do, you want to be the best at it. It's time to get to work. And now, your host, Andrew Lemoyne. What is going on? This is episode two of the Dealer Deep Dive show and podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Lemoyne, and we've got an OG in the house today, um, Mr. Chris Whitehead. And, um, you know, Chris stopped by, ironically enough, yesterday was actually the first time you and I have ever met That's in person. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've done some uh, business, but it was we all via email yes. and it was all uh, all online. So um, I got a chance to actually meet you in person. And um, when you popped by the office yesterday, we were having, uh, we were just having some conversations and I thought your history was so interesting and you've seen so many changes happen in the automotive space and in this industry that I said, we got to, uh, we got to have a conversation on the mic about this. And uh, I yeah, think- Speaking about this mic- I'm not digging it being in my face like this. God, you'll get used to it, brother. You'll get used to it. So, um, so look, we, uh, so I thought that we'd have a quick conversation about, and what I've called this kind of talk is consumer driven change. And, um, it was really interesting yesterday when you and I were chatting and we were talking about kind of, you know, the industry, where things are at, where they're going, some initiatives, um, you know, we're pushing through, uh, through some other companies and brands. And, you know, you kind of began, we were actually talking to a dealer uh, and, uh, you know, you began talking about some, some consumer driven change, you know, that you've seen happen in the past where, you know, the industry was, you know, the, the industry was kind of pushing back on, you know, new, new technology and kind of where things are going. So dealers were pushing back, vendors were pushing back, but ultimate, ultimately it always starts with a couple small vendors with a new piece of technology and then at the end of the day, it boils down to consumer adoption and the consumers ultimately are going to kind of dictate on a macro level where the industry's headed, right? We can build all the technology that we want. You know, you can build a m- better mousetrap, but if the consumers don't want it, right, uh, they're not going to use it and that's not going to help our dealers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Chris, um, maybe, maybe tell the people like, what are you up to right now? Before I get into your history, like... Uh, maybe, you know, what is your role? What are you doing right now? What's company you're working with and kind of what do you, what's the project you're working on? So I'm, I'm with eBlock. Um, I'm vice president of a product called guaranteed trade, uh, which actually ties into my history. Uh, there's, there's a really strong connection to, uh, what I was doing in a previous, uh, life. Um, as you know, I, I was one of the co-founders of e-dealer and e-dealer and e-block are actually the same company. Uh, I sold to my partner, uh, about four years ago. The online trade appraisal was a portion, kind of a pet project of mine. Uh, in my tenure running eDealer, we also partnered with CanadianBlackBook.com. Many people don't even know this, but we actually owned half of it through a company called Warren Interactive Media. So that online trade appraisal portion was, you know, really near and dear to me. So when eBlock came out with Guaranteed Trade and I saw that they actually nailed this, uh, you know, they, they hit it out of the park, I had to be involved. Uh, so I came back and uh, fortunate enough, they took me back and, you know, asked me to run this project. So I'm pretty excited about it. Amazing. Yeah. So when they had actually developed Guaranteed Trade at that point, were you part of the team? No. So you kind well, of saw sorry, the product you know when what? it was developed? Um, guaranteed Trade is a concept that we, talk, that we talked about many, many years ago. Um, 
when we actually built CanadianBlackBook.com and, and uh, that spun off a pro- uh, program called LeadLink. And we said, you know, what can we do so that we don't give the consumer a range, a range that's based on data? How can we actually give them a guaranteed number? So yeah, we actually did have that conversation a number of years ago, but I wasn't involved with the actual production of the product that's there today. Okay. But when you saw it, you were happy with what you saw? Oh, I was like blown away. Amazing. Yeah, had to get involved. I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, every, every couple of years there's um, these really hot spaces, um, you know, in the auto industry that pop up where you will see kind of a lot of competition and it's almost like a race to the finish. And, you know, we, we can all probably agree three to four years ago, it was really that digital auction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, space. It seemed like you know, every six months there was a new platform coming out. And from what I can kind of predict my opinion in, in 19, this is going to be a really big year for the online trade in space. Fair to say? 100%, because that was the last missing piece uh, in that online sales cycle. And, you know, it, it's interesting, the topic of uh, this discussion we're having, everything has been driven by the consumer. Everything that we have done has been driven by the consumer, including the online trade appraisals. Think about it for a second. The consumer can now go to a dealer's website. They can research their actual inventory, not some imaginary inventory. They can see actual photos. They can get actual pricing. What they haven't been able to do is to find out what their trade's worth. Right. They can find a range, mm-hmm. a range that's often not even all that accurate, Guaranteed trade solved that problem. Uh, you know, that's all been driven by the consumer. I just mentioned those three things that consumers can do. That wasn't something we came up with. That's something that consumers have demanded. When I first started trying to sell websites to dealers back in the early 2000s, I got laughed out of some dealerships. I had dealers tell me, look, I do print, I do television, I do radio. I don't need a website. So let's talk about that for a minute. So what, what time was it when you actually got into that space? What year was it? So, you know, I started dabbling with it. You know, I got into retail uh, in around 2000. And the only reason I got got into retail, kind of by accident, I was building car washes at the time, self-serve car washes. Okay. Bought a property for another self-serve car wash, decided I didn't want to build another one. Got into retailing used cars. Interesting. But it wasn't where the typical used car dealerships were. Right. It was, wasn't on the gasoline alley. Got it. Uh, so I had to start looking at the internet and, you know, I, I wasn't a guy to sit around waiting for the up bus to crash. It's the old term from uh, uh, Chris Schulte's. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I turned to the internet and, you know, just kind of did a lot of research there and I, and I, and I, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but, you know, I had a lot of inspiration from um, a, a used car guy here in Ottawa. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you know, who's probably one of the best used car guys I'd ever seen. He's a wow. visionary. Um, so yeah, it, that's, that's really where it started. So, so you open the store, you're off the beaten path. It's 2000. Yeah. So then I built so up. So paint a picture. Let's paint a picture for people that are listening. So it's 2000. And where, where is this? Is Sudbury, this Sudbury, Ontario. Sudbury, Ontario. Yeah. So you're not in Toronto. I'm not in Toronto. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's 2000. You, you just bought this property that you intended to build a car wash on. That's right? right. Yeah. And all of a sudden now was it a, a change of heart or permit or whatever, but you don't want to go through with the car wash. And you pivot to a retail dealership. Exactly. And this is literally your introduction to retail automotive. That's my introduction to retail automotive. So you've got this lot. You're off the beaten path. Yep. I've been in Sudbury and I kind of know what you mean. There's that one. I forget the name of the road. Kingsway. Yeah, Kingsway. So yeah, that kind of is the road, it, right? Near if you're on Kingsway, people know where you're in the town. Got it. Yeah. So you now have to find a way in, in 2000 to, okay, I got this lot. Now I got a couple of cars. How the hell am I going to get people to the lot and yeah. sell them a car? So you'll appreciate this. Uh, that's when I built a website called carlonscanada.com. Amazing. Yeah. So that was, it would have been around 01, 02. Okay. Uh, started generating um, mostly non-prime leads. Yeah. 
and uh, selling customers outside of Sudbury. You know, my favorite story was delivering a car to Thunder Bay and delivering a car to Windsor the exact same day. Wow. Never met the customer. That's in the early 2000s. Never met the customer. So, you know, obviously the internet uh, played a really early influence uh, on my automotive career. Sure. Um, yeah, but I didn't like retail. <laughs> you know, eh? What's no, your thing? I didn't, I, I didn't like retail. I like, I like building things. I like new things. I like solving problems. Um, engineering is my actual background. Before that, I was doing forensic investigations and accident reconstruction. So, okay. you know, sitting around again, waiting for the up bus to crash wasn't really for me. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And, you know, so I, I was not in, uh, in the industry. I was too young in 2000. Uh, I got in in 04. Oh, three or four. Um, and just as a salesperson, you know, um, and probably for my first couple of years, I was ignorant to, um, you know, everything else around me that was going on in terms of, you know, technology and, and, and software systems, because I was just a young kid learning how to sell cars, but maybe you could, you know, I'd love you to kind of explain to me what did the auto industry look like in 2000? Like what, what, what was going on in terms of the marketing space? Did how many dealers had websites when you started eDealer? Well, you know, I shouldn't. A lot of dealers did have websites, but they were brochureware. Got it. It, it looked like a brochure, and that's all it was. Um, they weren't actively. The dealers that did have websites weren't actively marketing them, and which was great. It was a great opportunity because uh, you know Google AdWords, uh, you know, advertising in that space was very new. Right. Uh, anybody, actually, if it was affordable back then. Affordable. It was yeah. dirt cheap. You, right. you, you could, anybody that um, has done any sort of PPC will, will relate to this. You could buy the keyword car loans for cents, like 25 cents. The good, know, old good old days. Now, now that, you know, the term car loans, if you're even going to do that, because we're a lot more granular, a lot more educated now, uh, probably cost you hundreds of dollars, right? Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. No, Google so used to send Christmas gifts. Send you Christmas gifts. We, yeah. We, Google used to send us Christmas gifts because we were spending so much at the time. So much at the time. Right. In today's dollars, it's you know, very insignificant. It was pennies, eh? Yeah. Amazing. So you so you open this lot and um, and you start really getting into kind of uh, online. So you say that you're attracting people like, um, and, and were you doing that with your own website? Well, you see, you found a car loans Canada. Right. Um, were you looking at um, online classified sites at that time as well? A uh, little bit. Yeah. Uh, I try to do... Uh, the most I could on my own. Right. Um, I don't know, stubbornness, if you want to call it. Sure. Uh, but what evolved after that was actually creation of software. So we were generating these leads through Carlos Canada, right across Canada, and we weren't selling them. We were only using them for our own, our own needs. And, you know, you weren't geo-targeting. You weren't doing any of that stuff back then. So I would generate a lead in British Columbia and throw it in the garbage. Right. Just I couldn't sell a car in British Columbia. Um but even the volume of leads that we were generating internally, we couldn't keep up with. Right. So I actually hired a university uh, professor at the local university to develop some software so it helped me manage the leads. I had this manual process that I would do to follow up on leads, like a 14-day process. And, you know, every day I would move. Like a file system. I, I literally had a file system. Yeah. I would physically move. I can relate. Uh, I remember. Paper file, move it, move it, move it until it was on this big file at the end, which were my my dormant leads. Right. Or, and if I was bored one day, I'd go through those. And believe it or not, I'd find deals in that pile. I believe it. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was a grind, but it got so much. Like, I, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, I'd have, you know, a 12 or 20 inch stack of leads on my desk printed out every day. So it's like, how do you manage this? Like, I'm, you know, we were two guys sitting in an office. Right. So I, I hired this guy to build us some software to help us manage that. And I enjoyed that more. Sure. I enjoyed that more. 
And uh, so I ended up selling the dealership and focusing on software, focusing on the software. Amazing. But guess what? Couldn't sell software to manage internet leads to dealers that didn't have websites. <laughs> yeah, fair to say uh, a little bit of a cart before the horse almost, it right? It was, it was. So then we ended up getting to uh, the website development business. Amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a sec because that was a really interesting um, conversation that you and I had yesterday is you were explaining to me like, you know, back in 03, 04 when you were walking in cold to dealers and, you know, pitching them on why they need a website. Right. And I think that's where really I got this whole idea and topic for today's conversation, which is consumer driven change, mm -hmm. because you were kind of explaining to me firsthand how you recall, like it was yesterday, walking into dealerships, you know, pitching your product, which was a website and, you know, kind of being told not going to happen. We don't want a website. You know, you're nuts. Yeah. Well, it's, consumers drove it. So, you know, we were, I, I was fortunate enough. So I, I did miss a, a part of that story. So I was fortunate enough in a, in a few ways. Uh, once I decided to get out of the automotive industry, uh, I partnered with Ryan O'Connor. Uh, he's a local Ottawa guy. who was just an absolute visionary. Okay. And, you know, I've heard of him. He, he saw uh, parts of, of this business that I didn't see. He said, you know, we need to go down in this direction. And he, you know, completely jumped on board with me. So he really helped um, target which direction we were going to go with that company. And that was, that was a big deal. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And then, um, you know, as we kind of go through it, you, you, you know, we were talking about, um, we were talking about like websites were, was kind of like the first thing that you recall, you know, consumer driven change. And then, uh, you know, obviously when websites first came out, you know, uh, dealers didn't have inventory online, right? Mm -hmm. And that came. Yeah, again, right? all driven by consumers. So, you know, slowly we get uh, dealers on board with, yeah, we need a website. Right. And at first they just thought it, they needed it as a presence. They needed it because other guys had it. Right? Yeah. I don't need to put my inventory up on that website. It's too much work. Like I'm already sending up to Auto Trader or the local listings or whatever. I'm not sending up to my, my website. Well, then as more and more traffic went to their website, they're realizing... You know, the consumers are saying, well, how come you don't have pictures? They're calling them up saying, how come you don't have, I, I want to see this car. Why can I see this car? Right. So the consumers drove that. And then, you know, they saw that, they saw the message that we've been telling them, guys, you, you need, you need to put those photos up on the, on the website, actual inventory. Uh, so they did that. The next evolution was, you know, dealers did not want to put pricing on their website. Like right. They, that was, I can see that. That was, that was hard and fast. Look, okay. You got me to get a website. You got me to put photos. I'm not giving up my pricing. Some non-prime uh, dealers still don't. Some not. <laughs> this is true. As a retail operation though, especially a franchise store, you're dead in the water now. Sure. You know, we, what's the statistic? I think on average, a consumer visits 1.6 or 1.8 dealerships. Yeah. They're doing most of the work. And we're talking over 90% of the, that vehicle consumers do most of the work online. And that's going back even now you know, eight years, that, that trend has been, is not new anymore. Yeah. So if you don't have those photos, if you don't have those, pr that pricing, which has been driven by the consumers, you don't have the opportunity to make that deal. So right. It's really that simple. And dealers know that today. And so what's so interesting about the past couple of years is where the online space has really gone is to your point, consumers are really able to collect every bit and piece of that online shopping journey. Uh, you know, and I don't really believe that the industry is at a place today where it's dragged to cart and check out. Um, you know, I do think it's going to go in, in, in that direction. I, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get killed for saying this Yeah, because I mean, we know Tesla does that, right? Right. Uh, I don't see the industry completely going that like in a hundred percent capacity. I don't see that happening. I agree. I, I, it's still a tactile purchase. hundred percent. You know, 
there's people that are always going to want to feel, smell, touch that new vehicle. Yeah. Are they going to do most of it online? 100%. We're already there. Totally. We're already there. But we still, you know, you're, and it's complex when you're starting to deal with trades, you're starting to deal with, uh, you know, financing. Yeah, no, exactly. So I'm not, I'm not one to, that believes the physical is going to uh, disappear. I think it's going to shift and change and it's going to adapt. I think they're going to become probably more, I see, you know, experience centers and delivery centers and, and, um, and whatnot. But um, what I will say is that over the past couple of years, you know, online has really got to a place where the consumer was really able to collect every piece of information in their shopping journey, um, you know, they can, uh, you know, they can explore credit, uh, they can look at uh, pricing, uh, they can even access, you know, new vehicles, they can access, you know, invoice pricing, cost, all that stuff. Uh, the elephant in the, in the process was always actually still up until recently, the trade-in, right? Because now they, okay, well, I got this trade and we know that 74% of consumers have trade-ins. And so, you know, you can imagine 74% of the customers were not able to kind of discover a critical part of that online process. And honestly, it is, it was the most difficult part of the process if you think about it, because when I think back to my retail days, that was the one piece of the process that act, the customers were a lot more emotional to opposed to logical because they had a lot of the times that was their asset. They were looking at buying ours, but that trading was theirs. So when you would, you know, quote unquote, lowball a consumer, whether it was intentional or not, you know, they will outright get offended, right? You're playing into the stereotype. And uh, honestly, like I, I can remember a bunch of times where we had deals done Okay. But it blew up when it came to the trade. We agreed on numbers. Um, you know, the deal was done. We were high five and thinking this thing's, this thing's going over the curb. And then all of a sudden the consumer sprung a trade on us last minute and it was a huge issue. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't come to terms. So it's definitely, I, I would say a very, very, very important part of, of the, uh, of the process. So it's really interesting now that we're seeing the kind of the evolution of the trade in space. Right. And that's kind of what got us talking yesterday about just consumer driven change in general as a whole. And then you kind of took me through a walk down memory lane, which I thought was really interesting. And I wanted to have this conversation on, uh, on Mike, but you know, so where it's going now and Chris, why don't you kind of tell us like, you know, obviously you're biased when it comes to guarantee trade, but as a whole, so, you know, taking the, the, the product of self-guaranteed trade out of the equation, like, what, what do you think is so special about the experience right now that that product is doing for, for the industry? It's creating transparency for the consumer. Yeah. And it's creating engagement for the dealer, right? You're engaging at the level that the consumer is looking to be engaged at. Right. You know, they don't, they're not ready to come into your store yet. We know that. They're spending more time online. Yeah. Right. So why aren't we giving them a price of their trade? Now, some of the fears with the dealer is, well, what if my price is too low? Right. You have to put your best foot forward. There's no two ways about it. Because if you don't, the dealer across the street will. Yeah. So put your best foot forward. You know, the, I'm sorry, you still have dealers out there that they're trying to steal the trades. I think those days are going to be passed by pretty soon. And it's all been driven by the consumer. You're not going to be able to steal those trades like you used to. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, there's markets. It's still happening where, you know, you'll, uh, you'll be able to get away with that stuff. But I agree with you uh, on, on a whole, it's just going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And I know firsthand the dealers are feeling it hundred yep. percent. You know, there, there's, there's no, uh, there's no two ways about it. They're definitely feeling the impact on it. So, um, now when I first heard about guaranteed trade, 
um, I was skeptical in terms of, I actually didn't think that the consumer, so I liked the whole concept of online engagement, engaging with the trading. I knew it was very important. I knew a large number of these consumers have trades where I thought it wouldn't work is I didn't think a consumer would actually download an app. And uh, it looks like I was wrong, you know, because um, I think what you guys are seeing is you're seeing, uh, you know, quite the opposite. You're seeing quite a high percentage of, of consumers that are, are in fact downloading the app and a dealer is now experiencing a trade-in um, full details, including pictures from that customer's driveway. Absolutely. Right? So, but what we're doing with that is we, we are creating a little bit of a barrier to entry. Not every consumer is going to download that app because, you know, what if we had engaged with that consumer or that consumer arrived at the, uh, on your website day one or first week of, of their research? They're not ready to go out and take photos of their vehicle. But the person that does, yeah, the person that downloads that app and goes out to the driveway, in some cases washes the car, scans the VIN, does a condition report as we prescribe it, that's a low funnel customer. Yeah, I agree. It, it, you guys are almost vetting. That's a very interesting actually point because it, it, like I, you know, imagine in, in, in the actual dealership, it would be like a customer walking in and your greeter being like, are you really interested in buying a car? Or are you just here to kick tires? Right. Yeah. You can't say that. But in, in a sense, I agree with you. That's kind of almost what your tool is doing online, because uh, I think we probably can all agree uh, the customer more most of the time who is going to invest the time to download an app, walk outside uh, into their garage or their driveway and proceed to capture and upload their vehicle, send it back to a trade. That's a pretty serious buyer. You know, I'm, I would say that that's a... Yeah. I'd also like to go back to one of the other points that we were talking about, and you know, in, in the pricing itself. And, you know, some dealers are a little bit concerned, you know, losing some of that ability to trade or to steal trades. I just left a dealership. And one of the things that they saw the value in was how they're engaging with the customer with this tool. So what they're doing, they have a car wash in the dealership. And when they're giving a guaranteed trade value to a consumer, they're sending the number to them, but they're also engaging them and telling them that, listen, and this is where the e-block, and this is where I am biased because we have an outlet that other um, maybe similar applications don't have. They can launch it to our auction. They can launch right. it to our appraisal auction dealer. So we give them an outlet. So what this dealer is doing is they're inviting customers to bring their trade in. They're giving them the number and say, hey, look, we might actually be able to get you more money. So why don't you come in? We'll wash your car through a car wash while you're test driving the new vehicle. We're going to launch it onto the e-block auction place and we're going to see if we can get you more money. Right. So what he's saying there is like, look, we may or may not get more money. It depends on what the market is doing today. Sure. What we are doing is, is we're establishing ourselves as a dealership that cares about you. We're gonna. We're not even a customer. And you're gonna wash my car and try to get me more money. What are you gonna do for me when I am a customer? Right. Right. So it's the engagement that is that, that they're creating with the customer through this tool that they're loving. So, you know, it's not always all about the top dollar that you're able to give that customer. It's about the top experience you'll be able to give that customer. I can agree more, man. It's it, it really is all about the experience. And what I'm hearing is what what we're doing is it's really creating conversations mm -hmm. and conversations is what leads to sales, right? Absolutely. And, and, and engagement with the customer. No, that's amazing. That, that is awesome. Look, brother, I, uh, I really appreciate you coming by and, uh, and letting us have this conversation. I think it's been really, really interesting and it's, uh, 
you know, it, it's been an interesting past decade in the in the uh, auto industry. I think the next ten years are going to be even more with uh, you know with the whole uh, you know we'll AI be here talking and more about technologies. Cars in yeah, years, you know, in three four years we'll be talking about uh, you know flying cars and uh, you know autonomous and all this uh, all this crap that's going on. But look, I know you got a flight to catch, yes. So we don't want you to miss your plane. But again, uh, Chris Whitehead here, folks, Vice President of Guaranteed Trade for eBlock. Uh, really appreciate you coming by, having a conversation with us, guys. Be sure to subscribe, like, share. This is the Dealer Deep Dive podcast and show, and we'll be back with episode three soon. Cheers.